Book Nine, Chapter Nine of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Nine. A Lover's Eye. The serenity of virtue would now again have made its abode the breast of Mr. Tyrold, but for the constant wretchedness to which he saw his daughter a prey. With a benignest pity he strove to revive her, a pity unabated by any wonder, unalloyed with any blame. His wonder fell all upon Edgar, whom he considered as refining away mortal happiness by dissatisfaction that it was not divine, but his censor which he reserved fully for vice, exonerated them both. Still, however, he flattered himself that, ere long, to her youthful mind and native cheerfulness, tranquillity, if not felicity, would imperceptibly return, from such a union for exertion of filial and sisterly duties, that industry would sweeten rest, virtue gild privation, and self-approvance convert every sacrifice into enjoyment. But peace such as this was far from her bosom. While the desertion of Edgar had tolled the death-bell to all her hopes, an unremitting contention disturbed her mind, whether to avow or conceal her situation with regard to the money-lender. The reflections of every night brought a dissatisfaction in her conduct, which determined her upon an openness the most undisguised for the following morning. But timidity, and the desire of reprieve from the fearful task again, the following morning regularly postponed her purpose. In the first horror occasioned by her father's distress from the bills of her brother, she wrote a supplicating letter to Mrs. Mittin, to entreat she would endeavour to quiet her creditors till she could arrange something for their payment, and while this produced a correspondence replete with danger, difficulty, and impropriety, a new circumstance occurred, which yet more cruelly embittered her conflicting emotions. Lavinia, in the virtuous eagerness of her heart to forward the general economy, insisted folly to relinquish for this year her appropriate allowance, declaring that by careful management she could dispense with anything new, and that the very few expenses she might find utterly unavoidable she would demand from time to time as they occurred. Camilla, at this proposition, retreated in agony to her chamber. To make the same was impossible, for how, then, find interest for the money-lender yet to withstand so just an example seemed a disgrace to every duty and every feeling lavinia who in her countenance and abrupt departure read the new distress she had incautiously excited with a thousand self-reproaches followed her she had considered but the common cause when she spoke without weighing the strange appearance of not being seconded by her sister. But her mind was amongst the last to covet the narrow praise of insidious comparison, and her concern for the proposal she had made, when she saw its effect, was as deep as that of Camilla in hearing it. 
though not attended with the same aggravations. Mr. Tyrrell remained utterly surprised. The generous and disinterested nature of Camilla made it impossible to suspect her restrained by a greater love of money than Lavinia, and he could not endure to suppose her late visits to public places had rendered personal economy more painful. But he would make no inquiry that might seem a reproach, nor suffer any privation or contribution that was not cheerful and voluntary. The purchases for the wedding of Miss Dennell being now made, that young lady came down to the country to solemnize her nuptials, accompanied by Mrs. Mitten, who instantly visited Camilla. She could settle nothing, she said, with the money-lender, without the premium but she had coaxed all the creditors by assuring them that as the debtor was a great heiress they were certain of their money when she came to her estate camilla could not endure to owe their forbearance to a falsehood though to convince mrs mitten of her error in contradiction to the assertion of lionel was a vain attempt the business however pressed and to keep back these but to just claimants was her present most fervent desire mrs mitten was amongst the most expert of expedient mongers and soon started a method for raising the premium she asked to look at what camilla possessed of trinkets and the prize earrings of tunbridge the earrings and necklace of southampton and several small toys occasionally given her were collected the locket she also demanded to make weight, but neither that nor the peculiar gifts as keepsakes of her father, mother, or uncle, consisting of a seal, a ring, and a watch, would she part with. What she would relinquish, however, Mrs. Mitten disposed of to one of her numerous friends, but they raised only when intrinsically valued sixteen pounds. Lavinia then insisted upon coming forward with a contribution of every trinket she was worth, say what had the same sacred motives of detention and the twenty pounds without any ceremony of acknowledgment were delivered to mr clykes who then took into his own hands the payment of the hundred and eighteen pounds for which he received a bond signed by camilla and witnessed by mrs mitten and another note of hand promising ten per cent interest for the sum till the principal were repaid these two notes he acknowledged were mere pledges of honour as the law would treat her as an infant but he never acted without them as they prevented mistakes in private dealings this important affair arranged camilla felt somewhat more at ease she was relieved from hourly alarms and left the mistress to make her confession as circumstances directed but she obtained not for nothing the agency of Mrs. Mitten, who was not a character to leave self out of consideration in her transactions for others, and at every visit made at Etherington from this time she observed something in the apparel of Camilla that was utterly old-fashioned, or too mean for her to wear, but which would do well enough for herself, when vamped up as she knew how. Her obligations and inexperience made it impossible to her to resist, though at this season of saving care she gave up nothing which she could not have rendered useful by industry and contrivance. 
during this unhappy period at edrington a brighter though not unclouded scene was exhibited at cleves melmont arrived he was permitted to pay his addresses to the fair indiana and believed felicity celestial accorded to him even upon earth but this adored object herself suffered some severe repining at her fate when she saw from her window her lover gallop into the park without equipage without domestics and mounted on a hired horse the grimacing shrugs of miss margland showed she entered into this mortification and they were nearly conspiring to dismiss the ignoble pretender when a letter which he modestly sent up from his sister inviting indiana to pass a few weeks in grosvenor square once again secured the interest of the brother she suffered therefore sir hugh to hand her downstairs and the enamoured melmont thought himself the most blessed of men the sight of such eager enjoyment and the really amiable qualities of this youth soon completely reconciled the baronet to this new business for he saw no reason he said in fact why one niece had not as good a right to be married first as another the generous and sentimental eugenia never ceased her kind offices and steadily wore an air of tolerable cheerfulness all day though her pillow was nightly wetted with tears for her unfortunate lot nor with all her native equanimity and acquired philosophy was this a situation to bring back serenity the enthusiastic raptures of melmont elevated him in her eyes to something above human and while his adoration of indiana presented to her a picture of all she thought most fascinating his grateful softness of respect to herself was penetratingly touching to her already conquered heart indiana meanwhile began ere long to catch some of the pleasure she inspired the passionate animation of melmont soon not only resumed its first power but became even essential to her no one else had yet seemed to think her so completely a goddess except mr macdersey whom she scarce expected ever to see again with melmont she could do nothing that did not make her appear to him still more lovely and though her whims thus indulged became almost endless they but kindled with fresh flame his admiration if she fretted he thought her all sensibility if she pouted all dignity if her laughter was unmeaning she was made up of innocent gaiety if what she said was shallow he called her the child of pure nature if she were angry how becoming was her spirit if illiberal how noble was her frankness her person charmed his eye but his own imagination framed her mind and while his enchanted faculties were the mere slaves of her beauty they persuaded themselves they were vanquished by every other perfection mr tyrold had not yet related edgar's defection to sir hugh though from the moment the time of hope was past he wished to end that of expectation but the pressure of the affairs of lionel detained him at edrington and he could not bear to give grief to his brother till he could soften its effect by the consolation of some residence at cleves this time now arrived and the next day was fixed for his painful task 
in which he meant to spare camilla any share when jacob begged immediate admittance into the study where mr tyrold and his daughters were drinking tea his scared look instantly announced ill news mr tyrold was alarmed lavinia was frightened and camilla exclaimed jacob speak at once he begged to sit down camilla ran to get him a chair is my brother well jacob cried mr tyrold why pretty well considering sir but these are vast bad times for us oh if my uncle is but well cried camilla relieved from her first dreadful doubt all i hope will do right why eh miss said jacob smiling i knew you'd be master's best comfort and so i told him and so he says for that matter himself as i've got to tell you from him but for all that he takes on prodigious bad i never saw him in the like way except just that time when miss jenny had the smallpox they all supplicated him to forbear further comments and then gathered that a money agent employed by young linmer had just arrived at cleves where with bitter complaints he related that having been duped into believing him the heir to sir duke tyrrell he had been prevailed with to grant him money from time to time to pay certain bills contracted not only there but in london for goods sent thence by his order to the amount of near thirteen hundred pounds without the interest of which he should give a separate account that he had vainly applied to the young gentleman for reimbursement who finally assured him he was just disinherited by his uncle no hope therefore remained to save him from the ruin of this affair but in the compassion of the baronet which he now came to most humbly solicit while mr tyrold in silent surprise and concern listened to an account that placed his brother in difficulties so similar to his own camilla sinking back in her chair looked pale looked almost lifeless the history of the depths she already knew and had daily expected to hear but the circumstance of the money-lender and the delusion concerning the inheritance so resembled her own terrible and yet unknown story that she felt personally involved in all the shame and horror of the relation mr tyrold who believed her suffering all for her uncle made further inquiries while lavinia tenderly sustained her don't take on so dear miss said jacob for all our hope is in you as master and i both said and he bid me tell your papa that if he'd only give young squire mandelbert a jog to egg him on that he might not be so shilly-shally as soon as ever the wedding's over he'd accept his kind invitation to beech park and bide there till he got clear as one may say mr tyrrell now required no assigned motive for the excessive distress of his daughter and hastened to turn jacob from this too terribly trying subject by saying my brother then means to pay these demands lauk yes sir his honour pays everything as anybody asks him only he says he don't know how because of having no more money being so hard run with all our preparations we have been making this last fortnight camilla with every moment increasing agitation hid her face against lavinia but mr tyrold with some energy said 
the interest at least i hope he will not discharge for those dangerous vultures who lie in wait for the weak or erring to encourage their frailties or vices by affording them means to pursue them deserve much severer punishment than merely losing a recompense for their iniquitous snares this was quite too much for the already disordered camilla she quitted her sister glided out of the room and delivered herself over as a prey no longer to sorrow but remorse her conduct seemed to have been precisely the conduct of clermont and she felt herself dreadfully implicated as one of the weak or erring guilty of frailties or vices that an uncle so dearly loved should believe she was forming an establishment which would afford him an asylum during his difficulties now every prospect of that establishment was over was so heart-piercing a circumstance that to her father it seemed sufficient for the whole of what she endured he made her over therefore to lavinia while he hastened to cleves for uh, jacob when he had said all he was ordered to say all he had gathered himself and all he was able to suggest finished with letting him know that his master begged he would set out that very moment the time of his absence was spent by camilla in an anguish that at his return seemed quite to have changed her he was alarmed and redoubled his tenderness but his tenderness was no longer her joy he knows not she thought whom he caresses knows not that the wounds just beginning to heal for the son are soon to begin opened for the daughter yet her affections were all awake to inquire after her uncle and when she heard that nothing could so much soothe him as her sight all fear of his commons all terror of exertion subsided in the possible chance of consoling him and mr tyrold who thought every act of duty led to cheerfulness sent to desire the carriage might fetch her the next morning he passed slightly over to camilla the scene he had himself gone through but he confessed to lavinia its difficulty and pain sir hugh had acknowledged he had drawn his bankers dry yet had merely current cash to go on till the next quarter whence he intended to deduct the further expenses of the weddings nevertheless he was determined upon paying every shilling of the demand not only for the debts but for all the complicate interests he would not listen to any reasoning upon this subject because he said he had it upon his conscience that the first fault was his own in letting poor clermont leave the kingdom without clearing up to him that he had made eugenia his exclusive heiress it was in vain mr tyrrell pointed out that no future hopes of wealth could exculpate this unauthorized extravagance in clermont and no dissipation in clermont could apologize for the clandestine loan and its illegal interest the poor boy said he did it all knowing no better which how can i expect when i did wrong myself being his uncle though if i were to have twenty more nephews and nieces in future the first word i should say to them would be to tell them i should give them nothing to the end that having no hope they might all be happy one as another 
all therefore that was left for mr tyrrell was to counsel him upon the best and shortest means of raising the sum and for this purpose he meant to be with him again the next day this affair however with all its reproach for the past and all its sacrifices for the time to come by no means so deeply affected sir hugh as the blow mr tyrrell could no longer spare concerning edgar it sunk to his heart dispirited him to tears and sent him extremely ill to bed the chaise came early the next morning and mr tyrrell had the pleasure to see camilla exert herself to appear less sad lavinia was also of the party as he meant to stay the whole day eugenia met them in the hall with the welcome intelligence that sir hugh though he had passed a wretched night was now somewhat better and considerably cheered by a visit from his old yorkshire friend mr westwin nevertheless sir hugh dismissed him and everybody else to receive camilla alone she endeavoured to approach him calmly but his own unchecked emotion soon overset her borrowed fortitude and the interview proved equally afflicting to both the cruel mischiefs brought upon him by clermont were as nothing in the balance of his misfortunes when opposed to the sight of sorrow upon that face which hitherto had so constantly enlivened him as an image of joy and with her every self-disappointment yielded for the moment to the regret of losing so precious a blessing as offering a refuge in a time of difficulty to an uncle so dear to her mr tyrold would not suffer this scene to be long uninterrupted he entered with a cheering countenance that compelled them to dry their tears and told them the west winds could not much longer be left out though they remained well contented for the present with miss margland and his other daughters melmont and indiana added he smiling seem at present not being of this lower sphere nor to have a moment to spare for those who are that my dear brother answered the baronet is all my comfort for as to all the rest of my marrying you see what it's come to who could have thought of young mr edgar's turning out in the same way i can't say but what i take it pretty unkind of him letting me prepare at this rate for nothing besides beech parks being within but a stone's throw as one may say as well as his own agreeableness however now i've seen a little more of the world i can't say i find much difference between the good and the bad with respect to their all doing alike the young boys nowadays whatever's come to them don't know what they'd be at they think nothing of disappointing a person if once they've a mind to change their minds all one's preparations go for nothing which they never think of mr tyrrell now prevailed for the readmission of mr westwin who was accompanied by his son and followed by the cleves family the cheeks of camilla recovered their usual hue at the sight of henry from the various interesting recollections which occurred with it she was seen herself with their original admiration both by the father and the son though with the former it was now mingled with anger 
and with the latter no longer gilded with hope yet the complaints against her which upon his arrival mr westwin meant to make were soon not merely relinquished but transformed into pity upon the view of a dejected countenance and silent melancholy the baronet however revived again by seeing his old friend whose humour so much resembled his own that in yorkshire he had been always his first favourite each the children of untutored nature honest and open alike in their words and their dealings their characters and their propensities were nearly the same though sir hugh more self-formed had a language and manner of his own and mr westwin of a temper less equal and less gentle gave way as they arose to such angry passions as the indulgent baronet never felt my dear friend said mr westwin you don't take much notice of my hull though i'll give you my word you won't see such another young fellow every day however it's as well not before his face for it might only make him think himself somebody and that while i'm alive i don't intend he should do i can't bear a young fellow not dutiful i've always a bad opinion of him i can't say he pleases me my dear westwin answered the baronet i've no doubt but what master hull is very good for which i'm truly glad but as too much over rejoicing now upon the score of young boys it's what i can't do seeing they've turned out so ill one after another as far as i have had to do with them for which however i hope i bear em no malice they've enough to answer for without that which i hope they'll think of in time why to be sure sir Hugh, if you set about thinking of a young fellow by the pattern of my friend clermont i can't say i'm much surprised you don't care to give him a good word i can't say i am i am pretty much of the same way of thinking i love to speak the truth he then took mr tyrold apart and ran on with the history of all he had gathered while at leipzig of the conduct and way of life of clermont lindmere he was a disgrace said he even to the english name as a professor told me that i can't remember the name of it's so prodigious long but if it had not been for my son he told me they'd have thought all the english young fellows good for nothing except extravagance and eating and drinking they'd all round have got an ill name says he if it had not been for your son were his words which i shall never forget i sent him over a noble pipe of madeira which i just got for myself as soon as i came home i took to him very much i can't say but i did he was a very good man he had prodigiously the look of an englishman he said hal was an ornament to the university i took it very well of him i wish he had not such a hard name i can never call it to mind i hate a hard name i can never speak it without a blunder sir hugh now who had been talking with henry called upon mr westwin to beg his pardon for not speaking of him more respectfully saying i see he's quite agreeable which i should have noticed from the first only being what i did not know which i hope is my excuse my head my dear friend not getting on much in point of quickness though i can't say it's for want of pains since you and i used to live so much together but to no great end 
for i always find myself in the back however it happens which your son master hal is i see quite the contrary mr westwin was so much gratified by this praise that he immediately confessed the scheme and wish he had formed of marrying hal to camilla only for her not approving it sir hugh protested nothing could give him more pleasure than such a connection and significantly added he had other nieces besides camilla why yes said mr westwin and i can't keep from looking at em i like em all mightily i'm a great friend to taking from a good stock i choose to know what i'm about that girl at southampton hit my fancy prodigiously but i'm not for the beauty a beauty won't make a good wife it takes her too much time to put her cap on that little one there with the hump which i don't mind nor the limp neither i like vastly but i'm afraid hal won't take to her a young man don't much fancy an ugly girl he's always hankering after something pretty there's that other indeed miss lavinia is as handsome a girl as i'd wish to see and she seems as good too however i'm not for judging all by the eye i'm past that an old man should not play the fool which i wish somebody would whisper to a certain lord that i know of that don't behave quite to my mind i'm not fond of an old fool nor a young one neither they make me sick sir hugh heard and agreed to all this with the same simplicity with which it was spoken and soon after yorkshire becoming their theme mr tyrold had the pleasure of seeing his brother so much reanimated by the revival of old scenes ideas and connections that he heartily joined in pressing the mr westwinds to spend a fortnight at cleves to which they consented with pleasure End of chapter nine read by Lars Rolander